Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and since 2016, Monica Shimonik has been coaching moms and dads as they navigate through the treacherous waters of the family law racket. Aside from her workshops, which helps with specific problems, her 12-week signature course, The Best Interest of the Parent, uses a four-quadrant model to create a robust healing and empowerment system so that you control the narrative in your life, not the state. Use coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL to get 10% off her course, and that will be included in the podcast notes. And with me today, I have Katrina Milburn. She's a mental health advocate and peer certified specialist. She got into mental health around 2012 after experiencing some tough times and felt completely alone. She started a 24-7 crisis and resource hotline so people always had someone to call to listen offer resources, and know they are not alone. She was still living in Virginia, which is where she met her ex, the father of her daughter, who is originally from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. She thought he was the love of her life, and she even thought he was the one. Within six months, they were engaged, and two months later, she called to let him know that she was expecting a baby. They were so happy. He has another daughter. Um... However, they decided to move to North Carolina. He found a job and moved uh, there, and before their place was ready, she, she stayed in Virginia. Then they finally moved to North Carolina in November 2016. And she's been a stay-at-home mom since her daughter's birth. Becoming a mom has changed her, and she never knew that she could love anything so much in her life, as we all parents know. And she's also a tough mom. She's also running for city council. She's going to tell us all about that as well. So I totally welcome you, Katrina. <laughs> How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you on. You have a lot to tell us. So, you know, there's, you also have a medical condition as well. Um, and it's, it's lupus. How are you doing with that? Well, um, I haven't, the lupus has, um, since, what, um, at least, 2015, um, no, 2016, I'm sorry, when I was five months pregnant, pregnant with my daughter, the doc, the, my RNA test came back negative. All my, all my tests came back negative. And the doctor found that really odd. Um, and he couldn't figure out why. And the only, I know, Ray, I'm sorry, my ex was with me at the time. And so the doctor said that sometimes when you're pregnant, it, I guess for people to, to understand it, you're, the baby eats up mm -hmm. the lupus. And that's, it's rare, but it does happen. Um, I mean, I had it for over 10 years prior to that. So I'm very thankful. And since then, I, ha I haven't had any flare-ups or anything. Hmm. Well, so, that's good. Um, yeah, that's been great. Definitely, because you've had a lot on your plate lately. Yeah. Yeah, and stress tends to um, right. induce flare-ups mm -hmm. with, with immune disorders and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. Oh, yeah, it, it can exacerbate all sorts of symptoms. And um, it's very, when you have all this stress that you're going to tell us about, it just is not good for anybody. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I decided um, with... There, I live in Thomasville, North Carolina, which is, um, it's a city that is, is compacted and it's in Davidson County, North Carolina, which is outside of, um, 
if anyone's familiar with North Carolina, it would be considered um, right the triad: Greensboro, Winston-Salem, which is Forsyth County, um, and High Point. So, um, an hour north of Charlotte, also. So mm -hmm. that's where I live. Um, and we moved here because he, my ex, got a job at um, a window place in Davidson County, and he did not like that job. So, um, right before we bought a house and, um, before we moved here, while I was in Virginia, he called me and said he had a back injury and <clears throat> turned out he faked his entire back injury, um, for an entire year and he was collecting workers comp. So I was taking care of our, at the time when we moved 11 month old daughter, about 10 months when he faked the back injury but um because he actually got that back injury in virginia when he hit a mm -hmm. telephone pole in early morning but um anyways uh for one year and we had a private investigators watching him so but he was looking for jobs he just sat on the ground for a year and i did everything and um mm -hmm. i actually have a, a brain traumatic brain injury but um i hit my head in two spots so a dog fell on top of me, a hundred pound dog fell on top of me with me and my neck and my head, back of my head hit a two by four mm. and it knocked me completely out. So I had bone spurs in my neck. So because of that entire year of taking care of him, sometime in the middle or near the end, I can't remember exactly the, the date, but um, I could not get out of bed. My neck felt broken, mm. completely broken. I could not move. And so I had to have him help me and I, it, I couldn't hold my head up. It was miserable. I had neuropathy from it. It was hitting my nerves. I was having all sorts of things. I, I was having migraines really bad or really bad headaches where they would give me 48 Botox injections around my head. Mm. Um, it just, it made my bone spurs flare up to where it was causing so many problems. And I had to deal with that because I was a stay-at-home mom and we had to have income come from somewhere. So um, that was a tough year. And then um, right when he found out he was getting a settlement, he already had a job, um, a, a really good paying job, right under $100,000 paying job. So we decided since he had a six-week time period to go ahead and get married. We've been engaged this entire time. Mm -hmm. And so we got married when the hurricane, picked the great, the best time, the hurricane hit North Carolina, um, September 15, 2018. And so actually no one from my family, his family wasn't going to come, but no one from my family can make it except for my oldest brother. He drove down there with his girlfriend and his nephew um, in Panama City, that's where we got married, um, which was affected by the hurricane as well. Um, he's the one that married us. He got ordained right when, right before I found out I got pregnant because mm -hmm. we were going to get married before that. So long story short, um, my mom stayed with my daughter and we got married. And I mean, even right before the day of our wedding, he, um, he was gone the entire day. I had to cancel the rehearsal, which was only six people, but, um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't call, answer phone calls, nothing. I've had the same phone number since 2001. So um, it started, that's when things really started getting bad. And um, 
I realized later on, looking back, he once told me regarding his other daughter that if he would have married his daughter's mom, then he would have had more rights to his daughter. He actually said that to me. So I do feel that he only married me for one reason only. But the odd thing is um, he did several things right after we got married. Um, he was taking, so I, I actually got on disability. I had back pay disability. We had his workers comp. So we had a decent amount of money. He, was, he took $10,000 within 12 hours of getting married and then put it into a private account. And he slowly did that. He did that, I guess, weekly. Now I look back on my bank statements. I did not know this at the time, um, but he took out a lot of money. Then when he started working, um, he had every paycheck deposited into that private checking account. Um, I happened to, to see some sort of statement and I asked him about it. So then I also found out he was cheating on me. Um, mm -hmm. He started cheating on me within the first month of marriage. And um, then he started going to strip clubs, which were on the bank statements. And he was withdrawing from ATMs the maximum amount of money possible that you could before he would go to the strip club. It was on the same street. And um, I was completely shocked. I had at least six that I caught him doing before he hid them from me. And that was in three and a half months of getting married. So when I approached him with this, all this stuff, you know, I thought it would be, you get married for life. Um, and you know, you work through tough stuff, you know? And so I said, you either have, to, you, we have to communicate, talk about this, work through this. And you show me your private account because obviously you're hiding something or you need to leave. And he just, I woke up the next morning and, um, I was shocked. He had packed up just materialistic stuff and he was gone. He left both our, our two-year-old daughter and myself. He was gone. Um, hmm. the, one person that he knew was his half brother who he had just reconciled with. And so he moved into his brother's basement. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so between staying in hotels, nice hotels and his brother's basement, that's where he was living um, from January 2019 on. And I begged him to come see our daughter. She was, um, it, it affected her deeply. Uh, mm -hmm. A two-year-old doesn't understand. And again, I guess she just, her birthday's late December, so she just turned two. She um, first would say, Daddy, can we home? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what do you say to that? Mm -hmm. When you don't really even know. So, and then... So she went through phases, um, asking questions and confusion, sadness, um, abandonment phase was the hardest one. We are members of the YMCA and I dropped her off one time. She usually just runs off and has a good time. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this was, it was horrifying. I dropped her off and she started crying. I've never in my life seen her cry so hard. Her face was red, tears mm -hmm. rolling down her face screaming, mommy, don't leave me, hugging my leg. It was heartbreaking. And um, so I, I don't know anyone around here. Uh, it was, everything was always about him and taking care of him and my daughter. And looking back now, being in an abusive relationship, you know, you, I see now the isolation that I was in. Mm -hmm. um, 
all sorts of any type of abuse you can think of mm-hmm. that's it, it happened um and it not in front of my daughter but the one time it did happen in front of my daughter i called the police and in north carolina their laws are completely different so the police told me that it was a misdemeanor or something they gave me a report said go to the magistrate's office it was a sunday well, I couldn't find the magistrate's office. So I stopped at this church and asked the man if he knew where it was. He said he was the post office, I guess, or mailman or something like that. I don't know. Um, and he said they were closed on Sundays. So I didn't go. Mm-hmm. And my ex took off with my daughter and he blocked me. And I was worried sick. I mean, he's never in my daughter's life just ever had my daughter alone. She's always been with me. And if he was with, uh, with her, I was there too. He's never just been with her. And so blocking me, not knowing where they were, was scary. So I had to call the police. They finally got in touch with him. He said he was going to bring her back. So I waited for four hours on the front porch. until like 9.30 at night. And he never brought her back. He ended up bringing her to Virginia to my parents. I found out because my mom called me, well, texted me saying I was a witch, saying that, saying all sorts of stuff so i don't know what he told her um but that's he started getting to my parents by my mom especially Uh, i found Mm -hmm. messages that he was sending my mom on his phone that were complete lies he was living an hour and a half away and i could i could prove it but he was telling Mm -hmm. my mom that he was here at the house living here on the days that i actually have like proof where he's going to bars and he's in hickory north carolina mm-hmm. which is not ever way so it was a rough time you know you just get married and then he leaves both your daughter and um yourself and so i had to hire um, a babysitter which costs money mm-hmm. and um to help out i had to be able to take care of myself in order to take care of my daughter and uh take care of work out grocery shop just do things some things independently and she was going through the abandonment phase and then she went through the anger phase Mm -hmm. um at one point her dad i tried to talk her dad into and he agreed that he would come by twice a week and see her at certain days certain times but he never even called to say he wasn't showing up so i remember one time i have a picture of her she's looking out the window waiting for him to come and hmm. it's absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, so anyways, uh, I, he, we actually, he actually ended up moving back in with us, I guess you should say, I could, I could say into the house, but I live in now still in May, 2019, after he agreed to show me his bank statements, which is really, I mean, his bank right. that he make now, he agreed. So, uh, and a counseling, he agreed to that. So he moved back in. I actually um, went with him to get his stuff. He he stole a check out of my checkbook to write his brother the $250 rent payment. Um, I found out later, I did report it, but anyways. And we came back here for two days only. And then I woke up again on May 30th, 2019. I'll never forget this day. He knew both my daughter was sick and myself, I was sick as well. But my daughter was not sleeping well, she was sick. And um, that, had been, that had gone on for a couple of days. And 
that I had planned on taking her to get checked out that on May 30th. But I woke up that morning and I was sleeping in the spare bedroom at that time. I walked into the master bedroom, all his stuff was gone. I looked on the security camera footage and I watched everything he did at 4 a.m., packing his bags and going out the back door so I wouldn't hear him. <laughs> and just two days. And on May 30th, since my daughter was sick, um, you know, she came first. I, I had to take her to an urgent care because she could not be fit in with the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know where to take her. I, I did call my ex and ask him to help, and he did not care to help at all. <laughs> um, he was just getting off of work. He had, he was, it was 20 minutes away, but no, he didn't. So I took her to an urgent care by myself, and right when I pulled into the parking lot, she fell deep asleep, but she had not slept for several nights. Um, and she was deep asleep and I, I knew she needed that sleep. So I have a two, 2017 Nissan Rogue and it's very child proof, child safe. And I had the AC on the, I think it was like 68 or something like that. And, um, I was on the phone with a divorce attorney. I locked my car and, um, I just had my phone on me and I had my keyless entry key inside my sports bra. And those were in a summer dress, but so, but my, my purse was inside my locked car with my daughter and I was standing right beside the car and in front of the car where I could see my daughter the entire time. Um, when I got off the phone with the divorce attorney, she was still dead asleep and I knew she needed that sleep. So, I mean, it went probably a good hour and a half that she was sleeping and all of a sudden I see police cars show up. Um, <laughs> they all show up and I, I go up to every single one of them. There's five of them, four officers and one captain. And I said, please don't wake up my daughter. She's sick. And I, I remind everybody that my doors were locked because they tried to open up her side where my daughter was sleeping and they couldn't, but they, the officer, the one officer that they happened to leave off this report, looked at my daughter and looked at the car and he decided that everything was fine. He stated that he started to walk away. And so did the other officers except for, and I'm going to name this officer by name, officer Crispino approached me in North Carolina is not an ID, uh, ID state. You don't have to give your driver's license or ID unless you committed a crime or are su suspected of one. So anyways, he asked me for my name and I'm confused to why he wants it, but I give it to him anyways. And then um, he gets closer and he's pushing for me to get given my driver's license. And I told him it was inside my car, which was locked in my purse. And then I felt forced. Mm. I wish I would have known my rights a little bit more. So I felt forced. I got my driver's license form. So I opened up, I just pushed the button, which unlocks the driver's side only. And he's right there like beside my shoulder and this I remind you I'm five foot three and I weigh about 108 pounds mm -hmm. so he's right beside me and I step into my SUV he knows exactly where my driver's license is I reach in to get my purse next thing I know I have four hands on me and I'm being pulled out of my SUV and slammed onto the pavement by two police officers officer officer Crispino and officer Alcon they work for the Thomasville Police Department and I uh, was wearing a summer dress, as I said, and I just said, please don't wake up my daughter. She's sick. 
I just remember it. I just kept staring at her because as soon as she woke up, she would cry for me. Mm-hmm. I knew that. So next thing I knew, they are both staring at my private parts. My dress had lifted up. I'm on my butt, my bare butt's on the pavement. Um, and I felt so violated. So I tried to cover myself, just the dress over. I tried to cover myself up with my dress, that mm-hmm. part. Next thing I know, both officers again lift me up in midair, pull me backwards, and slam me on the pavement. Both officers. This is And terrible. these guys weigh, they, they, they're well over 200 pounds each, very muscular. And I just started crying. I said, and I did say again, please don't wake up my daughter. She's sick. And uh, I remember them trying to question me. And I remind you, this is the morning I find out that my ex or my husband at the time walked out on us again. Mm -hmm. You know, I found it on the camera. So it was a really rough day. So this went on for four hours. They left my daughter in the car for about three and at three hours she, total, she was in the car. Mm. The time I, I watched her, I mean, I wasn't even three feet, no, two feet from the car. I was sitting right there on the curb where you park your car, whatever, you, that slab, whatever you call it. I don't know what you call it. I was sitting mm-hmm. there watching my daughter. So my eyes never left my daughter. But anyways, um, but, but they still left my daughter in the same condition. Like, they didn't change anything. But um, they ended up... When my daughter woke up, they, they did handcuff me, never arrested me. Um, my daughter woke up and the captain um, took the handcuffs off me. And I don't know if they were the plastic ones or the real ones, I can't remember. But, um, and I had a lunch for my daughter and we sat underneath a tree and I fed her and she mm-hmm. was doing 100% better. That sleep that she got was what she needed. And mm-hmm. um, I, ne- I actually never ended up having to take her back to the doctor um but so then um about 45 minutes goes by and i they asked me they, they tell me i have to call someone hmm. and so i don't know i don't remember i, I probably tried calling ray i can't I'm sorry my ex ray um but then i called a babysitter and she came and cps also came oh no yeah and um, I had the entire four hours between dispatch and the police. I have a friend who was an officer for this department for 17 years, and he got that for me. And the amount of corruption and cover-up and lies is is beyond belief with me. I mean, from I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, so CPS, the CPS caseworker, and the one officer they left off the report. They gave me a citation. In Virginia, a citation means a ticket. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a citation. So then I started, <clears throat> let me get back. Um, the caseworker says that, um, I guess the babysitter needs to be with me or something, but I can drive home. And then they said that, oh, well, my daughter can't, I can't drive my daughter, but I can drive myself home. So I'm getting the car seat out. And then they went back. And I can't remember, I think it was, I don't remember which one. They probably both said, it. I can't remember which one, the officer or the caseworker. And they were the only ones that were there at the time. Um, said that I was not able to drive myself. I had to leave my car there. Hmm. And so I ended up having to go back with the babysitter. She drove myself and my daughter to my house and the caseworker followed us 
when the caseworker followed us, she did call my husband and ask him some questions. She asked him two specific questions. Um, she asked him about me as a mother, and he said I was a good mother. And she also asked him if he had any concerns, and he stated he had absolutely no concerns. Hmm. So, um, and this is May 30th, 2019. So we get back to the house, and I am upset with everything that happened, you know, just in shock still and my daughter is i have a we have a dog and she's just playing with the dog the caseworker leaves then she comes back the next morning and um they she ended up closing that case i mean she came and did random visits everything was always fine there was never any issues so she ended up closing the case and i, I do want to say one one more thing uh, my my ex called um cps in 2019, I know that because I got the letter in May 2019 saying that they weren't going to do anything. They didn't, it was unfounded or whatever on his other daughter's mom. Hmm. Yeah. And she told me about what the, what her children had to go through. They had to strip down naked and all sorts of stuff. I mean, so, I mean, this is, he has a pattern of doing right, right. these things. And, um, he's been engaged 11 times, married several times. So, um, I've also spoken to several of his exes. So he tends to target people that work in the social service industry or people who, who care, um, mm -hmm. you know, that type of, those type of people, uh, all single mothers or yeah, they, everyone I know that he's, he's been with single, they're all single moms. Mm -hmm. Um, so Anyways, that case was dropped, but then um, I had to go to, before that case was um, actually dropped, I had to go to the hospital because I knew I had to get documentation from, I, went, I, was, I had bruises and all sorts of, my whole body felt broken from head, from my shoulders, all the way down to my arms, from my upper thighs, all the way down to my toes. I had severe bruising um, and I wanted to document that. So I went, the babysitter ended up getting sick, so she couldn't. <clears throat> she couldn't come, so I had no one else to call but my ex, my daughter's father, and he actually came. That's the first time since January 2019 he actually came to bait. I'm going to say babysit our daughter, and the whole time I'm at the hospital. So he comes after work, you know, is after six. Her bedtime's eight, and I'm there for four or five hours. But I call and text. Mm -hmm. 30 sometimes and he doesn't respond and his phone's on me constantly and it's, it's, it's something just didn't feel right so um i already called this hospital long story short i ended up leaving after immediately after leaving um the room in the emergency room and i came straight home and i was not happy that he ignored my phone calls and but he left and went home so the next day i'm giving my daughter a bath and I said, so what did you and daddy do last night? And there's a rocker in her room. That's where I always would breastfeed her, read her books. And um, she said that they sat in that rocker. And I said, okay, did you read books? And she just said no. And so I kind of left it at that. I mean, she didn't say they did anything. Um, I do have cameras around surrounding my house. He's a smoker. He didn't go outside and smoke. Uh, I, I had absolutely no clue that this would mm -hmm. even 
come be a part of my life. But mm-hmm. um, after my daughter's bath, she's wrapped up in a towel and we have a bedtime routine and I'm walking her to the couch and right in front of when I, the door, when I'm walking her, she said, daddy slapped my vagina. Mm-hmm. I've always used the word vagina, the proper word um, right. is what I was always told to say. And I just dead stopped right in front of the door. Um, it just blew my mind. I didn't know I was speechless. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I, I, I can't even tell you that how many, what was going through my mind. So then I put her on the couch and I'm kind of still in shock and she just keeps, she's very repetitive. Mm. So this time she's probably about two and a half years old. Um, and she said, daddy slapped my vagina. And then she would say, daddy hurt me. And then she looked at me and she said, mommy, he needs to stop it. Right. Aww. With like a kind of question mark. And it was heartbreaking. So I got my phone at that point. Um, and I documented um, what she was saying. And, uh, I think, I think she knows that, um, because it, it hurt her, something wasn't right, but it was her father. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I just know that she was, she just kept saying the same statements over and over and over. And she had not seen her father in a little over six months. So that was alarming. So the first person I reached out to was her father and he would not answer the phone. So I texted him. He was very defensive, completely gaslighted me, blamed me. And remind you when um, May 30th happened, the day before that and the day before that, I was calling around for counseling, marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. So um, there's absolutely no reason why. I don't know. This is a mother's worst nightmare. So Mm -hmm. Either way, um, I didn't know what to do at the time. So then I did ask the babysitter, what should we do? And she said, we need to take her to the pediatrician, which we did. And the pediatrician stated she believes the father is sexually abusing the daughter. And she did not call CPS. She uh, referred my daughter to a place called Brenner's Children's Hospital, which is in Winston-Salem, Forsyth County. And um, she told me to just wait for their phone call. Well. Hmm. he ended up retaliating against me calling CPS and he's, he's not allowed on the property. I was told by a cop because he already changed his address and everything. Um, but anyways, he did come back to my property, but he retaliated on, um, with CPS told them I was on drugs and mentally unstable. The, you know, the go-to, yeah. um, and there's no investigation at all. And so I come in, I actually came home to them um, inside my house. Uh, I have everything on video. I'm glad I had the, the camera set up, but I, uh, there, I, I didn't know the laws. I didn't know, I've never thought about this happening. Um, so you would think that they would like at least drug test me or <laughs> do something, um, ask the neighbors or something before they would try to force me. And they actually did force me to sign a safety assessment. So it's on video. Um, so I'm asking questions and, uh, the caseworker gets in my face and says, if you don't sign this safety assessment, it's going to be a very long time before you ever see your daughter again. There's no judge's order. There's, there's no uh-huh. order to take my daughter. So that, 
force me to think, you know, I have no choice. So um, I had the choice, I had the option to have my parents take my daughter, which my parents just moved to, from Virginia to North Carolina an hour and a half away from me. So my daughter, I'm being the, me being the one consistent person in her life just got taken away from her oh. that morning. And uh, that was hard. So then I took the drug test, passed it. They gave me 24 hours, which I went immediately past it. They told me to take a mental health evaluation within seven days. And I took it within three. And remind you, I went through that trauma and I still passed the mental health evaluation. They did recommend um, counseling, which I would have recommended counseling for myself um, or therapy, whichever. Because, you know, I think when you go through stuff like this, you need someone to talk to. But so that's what, I mean, I passed everything and they still would not give me my daughter back. Um, I oh. then found out in August, 2019 from the girl herself. She was a minor at the time. She's in her twenties now that Ray, I'm sorry, my ex, uh, sexually abused her. And there was a CPS case in Forsyth County. And, um, he, he sexually abused her for many, many years. It's his ex fiance's daughter. Mm -hmm. And I also talked to her mother as well. And she told me to get as far away as possible from him. Mm -hmm. uh, but the details were a lot like the things that he did to my daughter. He also did stuff to me. Um, I think, I guess I left that part out. Um, after we got married, he drugged me and he would rape me. Mm -hmm. I woke up after he finished one time uh, mm -hmm. and he was wiping off my back. And uh, he, uh, was, he gently moved me back on my side of the bed and I could see, clearly see, but I couldn't talk or move at all. I'm so sorry. And uh, he, I, he would always mention stuff like I take vinegarin for stress or something like that or something for sleep. Take more, take more. And then um, the girl that he sexually abused also said he does it while you're sleeping. Same thing when my daughter was supposedly supposed to go to sleep. And she told me what her dad did to her. It, it clicked in my head. It was just like, there's, I have, I have no doubt that mm -hmm. I just, I wonder how many more victims. I also found his little trophy box. Actually, it's a plastic container with the victim. I don't want, want to say her name out of respect for her. From his ex-fiance, his ex-fiance's daughter, she wrote with her handwriting and permanent marker on this plastic container with a lid. Like, it was her name and clothing and all sorts of stuff. He has been carrying that around since 2005 Ooh. with different random, random things. And they were like, you, they weren't adult things. I, it's disgusting. Hmm. Um, and I never knew when I saw that person's name, I never, I never knew who she was until, you know, after everything happened. And I just, I lost 45 pounds in a month and a half. Oh, I'm I, so sorry. I was disgusted. And the CPS investigator, um, the, the one that yelled in my face, there's two of them there. They both actually got, one got fired and one retired. Mm -hmm. So I shared that video with, on the Davidson County foster care website. And they were fired that same week or they were gone. One was wow. fired, one was, they were both gone. So That's I got great. Yeah, yeah. 
And I recommend anyone doing that. If they have videos like that mm -hmm. with evidence, because that's where they get foster parents. Um, that website is how they get foster parents. And when people see that, you know, that's not really um, good. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, business. Yeah. You don't get good business that way. So which right. we don't want, we don't want foster, you know, anyway. So, um, Therefore, I said, then the caseworker would not, she kept denying that there was ever a CPS case, but I knew for a fact there was. Uh, she was trying to cover up for him. Her and her supervisor both did. So I went to the head of CPS, the head, and she got a brand new investigation team. I brought a witness with me and they looked into it and they found out he was actually substantiated, sexually abusing. It says a non-relative minor child and um, the police tried to locate him, but they were unable to locate him to charge him. Mm -hmm. So he got away with that too. He's got away with a lot, a whole well, lot. Well, not in God's eyes. <laughs> if he yeah. doesn't get justice down here, he'll get it on the other side down there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep thinking that he's 51 actually. I'm 38. He so he's um, he's mixed. He's half Korean, so he looks young. Um, yeah, so I think at his age, he's really learned how to. He always bragged about being able to make anybody like him or he could be whoever he, he needs to be for anybody. Mm -hmm. He always bragged about that. Um, it's pretty sickening. Mm -hmm. It's very narcissistic. He's very narcissistic. Um, he even got me, you know, and I thought I knew all about mental health. And, you know, he got me. And, uh, Anyways, so there's a lot of stuff that happened. It was hard because you you marry someone and they immediately flip the switch mm -hmm. um, dramatically and you have a child together. Mm -hmm. uh, you think, are they going through a phase? Um, and then you find out all this other horrible stuff and you don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all you want to do is just protect your, your own child and protect yourself. Um, anytime I did anything, he retaliates. I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, I have absolutely zero privacy. There's a neighbor across the street that spies on me 24 or whenever, unless he's not here, he's watching me for my ex. He reports back to him and I have proof of that. Um, the, so it took 11 months for me to get an adjudication, which usually happens between 30 and 90 days, mm -hmm. but they retaliated against me. So I did file complaints with OCR, Office of Civil Rights and Health and Human Services, HHS, and they accepted my complaint and they came in to investigate. So on the day that my attorney went in to sign the paperwork for them to investigate, DSS attorney or someone, they filed for in incompetency, incompetency hearing. So to say I'm, I'm, I'm incompetent, I can never say that whole thing. So anyways, um, on the same day, I was supposed to have my adjudication, which they gave us like four days notice. That was retaliation because I sent too many emails, they said. Hmm. Uh, so anyways, that was held. And so it took 11 months and my ex was against having my daughter released from DSS care. He did not want to dismiss. No one did, except for myself and my attorney. We didn't have to put on a single bit of evidence, not a single bit of it, not a witness, not any, not a document, nothing. My, my attorney stood up and just said, 
Your Honor, I could cite some case law, but whatever. And it was dismissed. Eleven wow. months. I mean, all that. Oh. Oh, what you've been through. I am so sorry. Yeah, well, and then it didn't. And I thought I, that was the happiest moment in my life. My attorney and I both cry. I mean, I know he, his, he was crying. I was crying. We hugged, and we were so happy um, because when your child was taken from you, every, I mean, every day is traumatizing to mm -hmm. say the least. And you have mm -hmm. those vivid nightmares, and you worry that you're never going to get your child back. Mm -hmm. And when you know that she's best with you, I mean, they are taking innocent children from mm -hmm. loving, safe parents. And I, I believe it's because they're more adoptable. Right. I agree. Yeah. And um, because I've seen, I went, I, went, I, I went to two different parenting classes and I've seen um, people who have a CPS case that are selling sex for drugs and stuff like that. But they have their kids at home mm -hmm. they just have like a case for stuff by once in a while but they their kids are drinking 24 packs of pepsi their two-year-olds are and or they're just all over time they absolutely there is a there are there is abuse and neglect out there but cps is going after the wrong families exactly right they're chasing down false allegations and um what was it, 85% of them are false allegations and they're going after those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, a lot of, they, they scare parents so much mm -hmm. that it shuts them up and mm -hmm. they twist their words and mm -hmm. they're allowed to get, they get away with everything, like lying, twisting the words, oh, yes. perjury, you name it, they get away mm -hmm. with it. And that, Always. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I want that to stop. I know that uh, the ACLU is trying to, they have, they have a petition to end qualified immunity with police officers for everybody out there who wants to check that out and um, sign that petition. But um, I think that, yeah, as long as they have, think they have, they can do whatever they want. As long as they think they're above the law. Oh, they do think they are. Oh yeah. Then this is going to keep happening because mm -hmm. they want that money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is the title <laughs> for E incentives and all these other incentives through our social security money, but that's another issue as well. Yeah. But how did you get involved into running for city council? Well, I mean, all this stuff that has happened. I mean, mm -hmm. there is so much corruption around here. Um, and then also I, I paid the taxes on my house and Thomasville has nothing. Um, it's small, but the taxes are outrageous. Um, mm -hmm. And the police, the crime rate, first of all, is nationally among the highest um, between the biggest cities and the smallest cities. It's the highest mm. nationally among the highest uh, cities. And Thomas, I mean, this small, small, and no one's, no one's probably heard of Thomasville, but I mean, it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, one in your, your likelihood of being, um, I, I have to look at the exact statistics but it's um the school districts or c and d school districts or schools there's not a single b school school around here mm -hmm. um i mean it just needs a lot no one cares mm -hmm. um and then there's so many things that we could be doing we don't have we have a downtown but we don't all mm -hmm. the businesses have left 
and there's so much there's so much drugs there's a lot of drugs around here which um there's a lot of uh, property crime and the police aren't doing anything about it i've talked to a lot of business owners so it, it was like a out oh, within one month someone was robbing they robbed the dollar general around the same time right before sunrise at gunpoint for the cash register money then right behind the dollar general the walgreens for cash register money the next day a local coffee shop for the tip jar money mm -hmm. that same week and then a couple stores down um from the coffee shop i mean they get robbed every day or get stolen from every day and they have professional security cameras mm -hmm. And the owners have told me they have been trying to get the police to look at their uh, camera footage and the police still haven't. One of the first pe people that stole out of this um, business, it was on her backpack, ran right past two officers. I guess they just had some sort of something downtown. The owner ran after them and asked the officers, did you see this person? She described the person. The officer said, yeah, she ran that way and just pointed stood there they don't do anything about it and um so we have no businesses um there's there's just so much that can be done mm -hmm. and they're not doing it and i don't where's our money going mm -hmm. i know we got a brand new police department and they all got they got brand new police cars um there's a, a gated fence so you can't see those brand new police cars mm -hmm. they're hidden but um they're out they have all this um high tech stuff. Um, they all have pilot licenses. Um, and I mean, I mean, a lot of people that have pilot licenses, um, you have to have one usually for a, um, I'm sorry, what do you call it? A, uh, it flies in the air. What do you call helicopter, it? <laughs> helicopter, no, um, uh, a, dr a drone, drone. Yeah. So, um, there's drones around here. I mean, they have, and I don't know why, but, um, it, it's just corrupt. And well, they they probably have the drones flying around so they can hit the donut shop. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if we have a donut. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we do. Some, <laughs> but um, you know, they're, they're con I see them at sheets a lot. I've taken pictures. Um, <laughs> they, I, they're, they're, they don't. I see. They don't. I go running downtown, and I. Yeah, no, they 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 don't. They're not here to serve and protect. I've even yeah. asked for officers to go by my drive by my house. Mm -hmm. I have a ring doorbell app. I have cameras everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, they're supposed to, you know, supposed to be able to drive by and see if it makes sure everything's okay. And not once did the officer drive by. Mm -hmm. And recently I've been getting threatening letters. I got a threatening letter in the mail. I was at a friend's house. It happened twice, actually. I was at a friend's house. And, and then also when I wasn't with her, someone was inside my house, but my dog was not barking. My 75 pound black lab pit bull mix was not barking. Hmm. So she called the police. I'm not going to ever call the police. I don't trust them. I mean, they've never, hmm. they do the opposite from serve and protect, but she did. And um, I went looking back on my ring doorbell. They just shined their flashlight in and left, but it was, it was very, very disturbing. The, the noises that you could hear inside, it sounded like a bunch of glass and metal shattering and my dog was not barking. So, and I don't know many people around here. So he knew the person, my dog knew the person. Mm -hmm. um, so that's scary. Um, 
I've had four flat tires in five months and I have new tires and for just in my driveway alone. Now is, has it started since you, uh, I guess, um, put in for running for city council? No. So the day of adjudication, my ex and his attorney, who he hired sneaky, um, that's a whole different topic, but, um, she came out and threatened me. So my ex threatened to kill me because it was a closed hearing. We weren't allowed to have phones. My ex and I are, it's just him and myself. I think, I think my parents were there, but they were a good distance away. So this is the second time since October he threatened to kill me. Um, and he doesn't make threats. He's not one to, to say, make threats. Like he's a, a silent type of, um, mm -hmm. sneaky person. So mm -hmm. that was scary. And then, um, his, his attorney and my attorney come out, his attorney tells me that I have to sign some custody order. And if I don't, then she's going to take out an emergency custody and come take my daughter from me. My daughter's waiting for me to pick her up for at this moment. And it's not even 10 minutes before the courthouse is closing. And I felt like there was a gun to my head. So I don't know what I'm, what I'm signing, but I do know he signed. Well, there's a verification form that someone signed his name to or on. There's four of them because she attempted emergency custody four times. <laughs> now, I can't get too much into the custody case, but I will say this. Um, his attorney that he got in December 2019, which is right after I went to the head of CPS and the substantiation regarding his ex's daughter came out. This is retaliation. He is, he, he never was interested in any custody of our daughter or even seeing our daughter. He is retaliating purely against me. And it doesn't stop. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, my phone, my neighbor's watching. I even rented um, out my room to a man who was gay. His husband passed away, Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And he was accusing me of having a boyfriend. I thought that was hilarious because I just showed how much he, how closely they're watching me. The welfare checks were just constant. And he doesn't call to check on my daughter. daughter. When I had our daughter, um, after she was released, constant welfare checks. And I have the audio and he's just trash talking me. One of the first things he says is after he gives my address, he says, oh, you probably heard of it to the dispatcher. Then he talks about just me, trashing me. Hmm. Doesn't talk about our daughter at all. And they ask him questions about our daughter. He thinks that they're asking questions about me. And um, he says, oh yeah, she's on everything, all sorts of drugs and this and that, or She's suing CPS police and this and that. And uh, um, then he says, you know, so I had a restraining order on mm -hmm. him and it said no spying. And he said, she's on her, on the dispatch call. They asked if I was home. He said, yeah, she's on her front porch right now, which I was, I was cleaning the front, the glass window. Mm -hmm. My daughter was sleeping and I had the monitor outside. My friend who um, is a retired cop was inside my house on my computer doing some work for me, helping me out. And uh, the police came by, but he said she's on her front porch right now. And um, it was just nonstop. And, you know, and, so, that, and that's a waste of taxpayers dollars for him to oh. be making these calls, having the police come out and check for nothing. And oh, other yeah. people are doing this too. So there's such a, a tremendous amount of waste of taxpayer dollars with these people that just don't yeah. know when to quit. Yeah. When we have, look at the crime, look how much crime we have, but there's so much going on that, I mean, it's right in front of you. And then 
Also, I have a restraining order, and you can, it's obvious when you hear these recordings, he's not, he doesn't care about our daughter. I mean, mm -hmm. he's not talking about her. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, he said, um, we, uh, we had a custody hearing, and I don't, I don't know, he's, he's giving them, he's giving them information that when you, when you actually call for a welfare check, you are calling about the, the, the concerns for the child. Right. You're not talking about you know whatever so um she um i did not know she just attempted on the day of adjudication which was june 18 2020 his attorney just attempted to get emergency custody and was denied she failed failed to let me know that if i would have known that i would say see ya you know walked away you got my daughter so um it's just been very um she's his attorney's taking this very personal and um, she wants to win and she's been very unethical and professional and done a mm -hmm. lot of legal things. And so I'm gonna, that's where I am right now. And, um, I am finally getting a divorce finally, which I want, mm -hmm. I've been wanting for a while. I did file last year. They never put it on the docket. Oh. But, um, I'm finally going to get that. And I am, I am moving forward with, um, all the stuff which i can't really get into detail with it um mm -hmm. regarding what they i've been put through regarding him and his attorney mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what my daughter's been put through right right well i know there's things you can't talk about but um how is the running for city council going um, it's good so far it's still early oh um, it is we, okay yeah we can't put up signs yet on october 8th we have um we we're we get to give a give a presentation, um, and there'll be TV stations there and, and other mm -hmm. media there, and then we have a meet and greet afterwards, and mm -hmm. then um, uh, we can put. I think we could put out signs sixty days prior to election. So mm -hmm. that's kind of and it should be coming up soon. And all my signs are in, and nice. I have all my cards in. I have a lot of my stuff in. I have um, I have a lot of support, which is good. Um, I'm excited to talk about, you know, my ideas. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's a little different from people who have lived here their entire life. You know, I think that we can, change could happen. It's definitely possible. Um, I would love to see change to ha happen in, in Thomasville. I would love to see things get better. Um, people want to come and live here <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, it to thrive and for the citizens to thrive and um businesses to thrive and just to for thomasville to be a place for the people enjoy but right now it's it's not at all and there's a lot of people hurting and i have a lot of great ideas so i'm excited well you know i like to have you on as a return guest in the oh, future okay. when all this you know happens and all that and um see how everything goes so we'll keep in touch um is there anything else you'd like to add um oh well what i'll add is i'm going to put a bunch of links in the podcast for okay. listeners that you had sent to me but i'm so sorry what were you going to add <laughs> um no just thank you for having me i appreciate it and um i hope that uh, there was one thing I, I wanted to let people know one thing that i did do um with a group of people was um, we went to DSS 
budget hearings, but we also spoke out in front of the Board of Commissioners. The county has Board of Commissioners, Board of Supervisors, and that did help. Um, the media picked up my speech, two different um, newspapers, but they talked about the group of people. So there's four of us. So if you could just reach out locally, that mm -hmm. did help. And um, so they had a little um, CPS, DSS uh, has had a harder time getting local funding. So, you know, if you can do anything, I mean, if you can speak out locally, that does help. And I, I included those links to my last minute speech on there. Um, and another girl that came with me, mm -hmm. her speech on there, so they can see that. Yeah, I saw those. Very yeah. good. Okay, well, I'll have you back on when you're ready to come back on. <laughs> Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Slam the Gal is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again in the future here with uh, Katrina and um, other exciting episodes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.